Welcome to the Next Level Soul podcast, where we ask the big questions about life. Why are we here? Is this all there is? What is my soul's mission? We attempt to answer those questions and more by bringing you raw and inspiring conversations with some of the most fascinating and thought-provoking guests on the planet today. I am your host, Alex Ferrari. I've always wanted to help the audience take their soul to the next level, so I've partnered with Mind Valley and other amazing free courses on spirituality, mind, body, soul, longevity, wealth, and so much more. All you need to do is go to nextlevelsoul.com forward slash free. Disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the guest and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of this show, its host, or any of the companies they represent. Now, today on the show, we have Reverend Michael Bernard Beckwith. Now, Michael is a best-selling author, one of the stars of the legendary Secret documentary, and the founder of the Agape Center in Los Angeles. Michael and I had a very deep conversation about his origins, how he became who he became, and what is happening in humanity today, the great shift in consciousness, the big change that's happening to mankind and humanity, and much more. Let's dive in. I'd like to welcome to the show, Michael Bernard Beckwith. How you doing, Michael? I'm great, man. Everything, you know, one of my favorite uh, statements, regardless of whatever's going on in life, is how can it get better than this? And then the universe <laughs> will answer that question whether you're in the throes of a challenge or whether you're in a burst of an epiphany, how can it get better than this? So right now, that's where I'm, I'm at. How can it get okay. better than this? I'm, I'm with you, man. Life is good. I appreciate you, my friend. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I've been a fan of yours uh, probably since I was introduced to you back in the olden days with The Secret. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> that movie still has legs, man. I've, man, isn't it amazing? Out, it's amazing. I go out into the world to speak and then you have different generations just starting to listen to it or read it or see the video and it's just like waves and then some of the old timers are going back over it again because yeah. they missed something or it's it's an interesting dynamic that i mean i've been in i've been in more movies than any spiritual teacher i got an award right. for it. i didn't even know that until somebody <laughs> pointed out to me and uh, that one is uh, is one of those that just really changed a lot of lives Absolutely, without question. So my first question to you today, sir, is how did you begin your spiritual journey? My spiritual journey began, um, it wasn't a, a conscious situation, even though as a, as a child, I had certain uh, spiritual awakenings, certain mystical experiences. But as a kid and growing up, even as a teenager, I would quickly try to normalize myself to be with my peers. So mm -hmm. Something happened. I knew something happened. I didn't know what it was. And I just didn't want to be weird. So I quickly tried to normalize my awareness. I remember when I was 11 years old, I was um, I was in Washington, D.C. I'm from D.C. originally, but raised in L.A. And I was back during the summer with staying with my grandmother. And um, it was it was around my birthday. And I'd gone to the store to pick up something for my grandmother. And I was in one aisle. And all of a sudden I could see that the individual who was stocking 
food in the aisle next to me was about to drop a bottle of baby food. I could see it in my mind's eye. So I ran around there really fast and I caught it before it hit the ground. And he looked at me and he said, how did you know that was going to fall? I said, I didn't know. I didn't, I couldn't explain it. I said, I don't know. I just saw it. So anyway, I'm walking home that day, but with the groceries, my mother, my uncle, and my grandmother are sitting on the stoop watching me walk in their direction. They're smiling at me, you know, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm not who they think I am. My, my grandmother thinks I'm her grandson. My mother thinks I'm her son. My uncle thinks I'm his nephew, but I'm, I'm not. I'm something else. I didn't have any words for it. And so I'm getting closer and closer to them. I'm saying, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And I became what I thought I should be for them. I, I literally became the nephew, the son, sure. and the grandson. And I just kind of quickly closed everything down. So fast forward. I'm a senior. I'm at USC. I've transferred from Morehouse College. And um, I'm in the psychobiology major. Right before that, I had 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 an experience that catapulted me to USC, but I, I I didn't know what it was. But anyway, I went I went went there. I was going to go to med school, and I'm giving you a cliff note version here. Sure, sure, of course. <laughs> and um, I'm starting to have a series of spiritual experiences, but at the time, I didn't know that's what it was. I thought it was psychological pathology. I thought something was wrong with me, right. so I stopped smoking weed just to ensure that I wasn't going crazy, but the experiences intensified, culminated with uh, this lucid dream that I had for a nice period of time in which these three men were always on the horizon coming after me, but they were always in the distance. But every night they were a little bit closer. So one night uh, I, they were very close. I could see the outlines of their face. and I, I looked to my right and I could see this small tent thousands and thousands of people trying to fit into this very small tent. And, but I knew everyone in line. And I mm -hmm. said, these guys can't hurt me. I have all my friends here. And one by one, they turned their back on me. Two of the men held me down and another man stabbed me in the heart with a serrated knife. The pain was excruciating physically and emotionally. And I died. And when I woke up from that, I could see that we were, were surrounded by this presence of such immense beauty. Um, my name for this presence was Love Beauty. Mm -hmm. The love that penetrated my being was beyond anything I'd ever experienced humanly. And I never could fit back in the box that I had been given intimations of as a kid. I couldn't get back in my box anymore. Mm -hmm. And that changed my life. And I, I went on to, on a research uh, journey to discover what had happened to me. And then that's when I bumped into the uh, mystical teachings of the Buddha, Jesus the Christ, the, the Ramapada, the Panishads, um, Sri Aurobindo, Walter Russell. And I began to see there was similarity in uh, these awakenings that had happened. And um, my life was never the same after that. My trajectory of my life became all about having a more conscious connection with this presence. At the time, I didn't use the word God. Mm -hmm. At the age of 16, I had, I had left the church. It didn't hold anything for me. I didn't believe all of those um, religiosity around around Jesus. And um, so I just called it love beauty. Later on in life, I was able to use the word God again. 
because it didn't mean the guy, God, the the sky god. It didn't mean a man in the sky. It had no sure. anthropomorphic qualities. It was all a presence of love and beauty and uh, intelligence. And and that's the short version of how you know it took a number of years to integrate, mm -hmm. and then years later to discover that there was actually um, a career called spiritual therapy because I'd been doing it uh, without any licenses or anything. Cause people liked being around me. They would get healings. I would do counselings and there's some wonderful stories around that as well. And then, uh, I went to this metaphysical spiritual community at the behest of my mother and a, and a friend named Lissa. And I had said to them, I'm not going to any church church. There's no truth going on in church. Mm -hmm. And they kept begging me, this is, a, this is metaphysical. This is not like a regular, you know, you're going to hell and fire and brimstone and any of that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I went. And the gentleman was named Dr. Daniel L. Morgan. And he had started the Guidance Church of Religious Science. And I was walking into the sanctuary and I heard him say, heaven and hell are not merely places, they're states of consciousness. And I said, he's right. This, this truth being spoken in a church. This is unheard of. Anyway, I sat down, listened to him. The next day, I was in. I was enrolled in one of his classes, and then I found out there was something called uh, a spiritual practitioner. It was a licensed spiritual therapist. And I ended up taking that. I think at the time it was a a two year program. Wow! And I took that. I became. I became full time practitioner. I did that. I saw six to eight people every single day, six days a week had seminars before they were popular and and my and, and then um ultimately went to the uh school of higher consciousness school of ministry graduated took me five years to graduate from a three-year program <laughs> 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 because i wasn't trying to graduate i was just like like joining out with just i just like being a learner and, and hanging out with like-minded people and you yeah. know so so that's kind of the cliff note version of of what happened We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. And then little by little by little, you know, I ended up starting a spiritual community and it took off. It's continuing to grow even now. Mm -hmm. uh, we grew exponentially during the lockdown and now I just, I'm on full-time, I'm on full-time service mode. <laughs> How can I serve? I should have never asked that question. <laughs> be careful what you wish for, my friend. How be can careful. I be of service? And the universe keeps showing me ways that I can be of service. And I keep saying yes. <laughs> so Michael, when you had some of these mystical experiences and you were kind of questioning your sanity, mm -hmm. what would you, what advice would you have for people who, who are listening in the audience who might be having these kind of spiritual awakenings within their own lives and they they really can't kind of understand it there's much more information about it now obviously yes, with yes. shows like this than it was when you were having it right but still it could be extremely scary what advice would you have for them well first of all today as you you said you know we have you have classes in transpersonal psychology that didn't exist 40 years ago right. you know this was all woo woo stuff you know and so um any good books on transpersonal psychology will allow you to see that what looks like a, 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 a psychological crisis is actually a breakthrough. Mm. So I would say, one, don't try, many people, particularly in the Western world, 
when they're going through an inner crisis of awakening, they think they, many people still think it's pathological and they'll get drugs. They'll get some kind of pharmaceutical drug to kind of stop it so they can have some kind of surcease from the experience. And they're act, actually, in, in many cases, stopping the energy of their transformation. I'm not saying that that's happening for everybody. Sometimes it might be appropriate for somebody to do something to alleviate the inner turmoil and pain they're going through. But in many cases, there, there are openings taking place and people are afraid of it. And instead of leaning into it, finding a good spiritual therapist to help you walk through it, an, an authentic shaman, not these fly-by-night shamans that go to Peru for two months and call themselves a shaman, you know, <laughs> but a real one, um, to help navigate through this kind of spiritual awakening, which I think at this time in human history is happening more frequently. You know, it's it's in the newest sphere of the planet. Uh, it's 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 um, uh, vibrationally trending, and um, and so I would let people know they're not going crazy. You know, I worked with an individual a couple of years ago who was having a full-on Kundalini uh, awakening, mm -hmm. and she was about to be put on a whole lot of medication, and uh, her husband was very very nervous and. And when I, when I met with her, I said, oh, I could tell this was not, she was not losing her mind. She was gaining her mind. And, uh, and I worked with her for a few days and she started integrating the higher frequencies. She was actually bringing some very powerful knowledge through. Her intuition was at an all-time high. And subsequently, she didn't need any medication. She just got, um, she got balanced. And now her and her husband are really good friends of mine. And we're business partners now, actually. Mm -hmm. And um, and she's doing great. She's she's tapped in some very powerful genius within her. But she was about to be put on medication. Right. You know, and fortunately, I was able to step in and show, and to her and her husband, this was not to be medicated. This was to be embraced. Because the next version of herself was emerging, you see. Yeah. Well, you said the that more and more of these awakenings are happening now. And I would agree with you. I, I, I've even in the last 10 years, the yeah. information that is these conversations, you know, this, like when we were talking about the secret, you know, that was one of those movies that kind of shifted consciousness in many ways. Yeah. It, 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 it dropped seeds. Yeah. It, dropped, it. it was, a, it was a, absolutely it dropped seeds. Yes. It, it dropped seeds to start the bigger conversation. What do you think is happening in this, this kind of global shift that is in consciousness that we're all going through right now, because if we look at the world, so many people are like, Oh, the world's going to hell. It's worse than ever. There seems to be so much more uprisings and, and wars and politics and all this stuff. It seems like everything's going to hell, but in another it perspective, appears. it's not. it appears. So can you explain yeah. your, from your perspective? Well, first of all, that which was peripheral, years ago is now becoming a part of the central conversation. Right. So you have two things happening on the planet. You have that which used to be woo-woo. You now have Bruce Lipton, the godfather of epigenetics. You have quantum scientists using the word consciousness that were all holographic expressions of a one of a one source, a one presence, you know, using the interchanging with mystical language, you see. Mm -hmm. And this is all part of the the gestalt the language, the information that's now flowing freely, you know, that a lot of the indigenous cultures prophesied that this time 
all that used to be secret would now be available openly everywhere. And that's, we're living in that time. So you have that combined with the fact that the earth itself is vibrating at a higher frequency. The earth is more alive. Whether you look at that from a, a shaman point of view that speaks about the earth being alive and the mother being awakened, mm -hmm. or whether you speak about it from a scientific point of view, you watch the human scale or you watch the vibration of the earth, it's, it's actually going to a higher frequency. And so all of that is combining to create an atmosphere of awakening for those who choose it. I mean, it happens, but you still have to do the inner work to actually choose to break free from the status quo. So that's going on now. Now, it appears that things are going to hell in a handbasket, and I don't know where we get handbaskets from. But <laughs> anyway, however, you have, you know, something called the Internet. You have uh, these news medias. Years ago, it would take a few days before a news item would begin to catch around the world. Now it's instant. So if something negative happens at another part of the United States, another part of the world, you get the information. And and most of the information we get via the media is always the lowest common denominator of the human experience. You don't get the resolutions, you don't get the mediations, you don't get the truces, you don't get the wars that are ending. I mean, we're we're at an all-time low in terms of wars on the planet, you know, historically. Yet people would think that we're at an all-time high in terms of wars, but we're not, you know. Um, so I mean, there are factors that are using food as war and weather as for war and things of that particular nature. That's another discussion. But uh, so the appearance of everything going to hell uh, is not true. And secondly, the appearance also is actually what I feel to be more of a birth pain of another dimension rising or another expression of good rising. You have the the collective consciousness being aired out, so to speak, that which was hidden under the rug, psychic in our psychic context, is being now becoming visible, uh, uh, and so and being reported on. And if if somebody's saying crazy stuff, they're going on the news. You know, <laughs> if somebody is just a regular old guy sitting in their room meditating and not creating any havoc, they're not going to be on the news. You know, right. oh, Joe's sitting in his office today and he's meditating and he had a tremendous insight about the presence. He decided to forgive his family. That's not going to show up on the news. It's not going on CNN. <laughs> no. <laughs> but if Joe gets mad and shoots up somebody, oh, Joe's going on the news. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And so, right. so we have a contorted view of reality based on what we're presented by the status quo every single day. And then I would also add one other thing, and that is there's a difference between the world and the planet. They are not synonymous. And I, I, I teach this all the time because people will say, oh, what's going on in the world? What's going on with planet Earth? They're not the same thing. The planet is Gaia, three-fourths water, rainforests, oceans, lakes, rivers, Earth, and she's alive. And then there's the world. The world is an agreement that we all have with each other. We have opinions, points of view, perceptions, positionalities, agreements. When you agree upon something, you live in that world. You actually create and in, end up condensing your beliefs into that world experience. Two people can stand on the same spot on the planet, but be in two different worlds based on their beliefs, based on their perceptions. So there are many people living in a world of peace.
world of harmony inside, a world of joy, a world of thanksgiving and gratitude. And there are many people living in survival. There are many people living in fear and anxiousness and anxiety, all occupying the same space. You know, it's a, in, in quantum reality, that's called the condensate. You know, it's like in Newtonian reality, two things cannot occupy the same space. But in the quantum field, many things can occupy the same space. They vibrate at different levels. You know, and so there are many people living at a different vibration, living in a different world. And there are people living in another vibration, living in a world of fear and doubt and polarity and hate, resentment, animosity. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. But what's being reported? Generally, the lower frequencies. That's what's being reported. Why? The reporters don't live in the higher frequencies. They are actors reading what they're supposed to report. So they're not even, they're just reporting from an old paradigm. You're a reporter from the new paradigm. Individuals that have these kind of uh, conversations, we're beginning to report from what's trying to emerge. Whereas the old reporters are reporting from the status quo, and if it bleeds, it leads. So all of that allows me to be very optimistic. I mean, an optimist is not a person who doesn't see challenges. An optimist is simply a person that knows there's a solution to every challenge. So I live in that frequency. Yeah. So is, is that why podcasts of certain frequencies are getting more attention and more viewers and more listeners than traditional media by landslides i mean absolutely it's 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 not um sanitized by sponsorship that say you can't speak about a b c or d i was with um i was at the milken institute i think it was last year Mm -hmm. uh speaking there and uh van jones was speaking there as well and i I went to a dinner with him and and a bunch of people and just me and him he was a bunch of folks and he was the speaker there and somebody asked him a question about you know, his position on the news. And Mm -hmm. I can't remember what the question was, but he said this. He said, listen, the news is curated. I'm on CNN. Somebody else is on Fox. Somebody else is on. They're all speaking to a demographic. Mm -hmm. If I happen to, he said, if I happen to agree with a statement that a friend of mine is saying, and he's actually a reporter on Fox, I'll get in trouble if I say I agree with so-and-so because I'm not supposed to agree with that. Or if he hears something that I says, and he says, oh, I agree with Van, he can't say. He says, and Van went on to talk about that, but he went on to say, you know, basically, if you want to get really good information, he said, go to a podcast that you trust, the people that are doing real good research and are really speaking. He says, that's where the new territory is. It's in the podcast because the news that we see, it's it's curated to a demographic and that demographic is going to hear what they already believe. They're not going to get anything outside of their present paradigm, and the sponsor is going to sponsor that. So I agree with what you just said. The podcast mm-hmm. is the territory where people can begin to get new, new groundbreaking insights and revelations about spirituality, about science, about whatever. Yeah. Right, because there's no quote-unquote agenda. Not all shows, but some shows, like yeah. what we do is we try to bring out a variety of people like yourself and near-death experience. There's a quantum physicist and 
in an ancient civilization story. And it's all of it just to kind of start a different conversation. And I never thought of it, but that way, but you're, we're throwing out new ideas that just are not sanitized and are right. introducing new ideas that you would have never even thought about. So that's really fascinating. You're not going to hear it on NBC, buddy. <laughs> no, you, you unless it's really curated to a very special niche today. We're going to have, the good news from so and so is right. It's it's always at the end. <laughs> the moment they give you like a two minutes of it, you know. <laughs> they saved the cat out of that tree. Now right. back to the war. Uh, right. <laughs> now you've said a couple times in our conversation vibrations. Now I understand what you mean by different vibrations at different higher levels uh, in the quantum field, both having something stay at the same place at the same time, but at different vibrations. Is that why to kind of kind of bring it down to earth for people who might not understand that concept? Is that why people are attracted to certain kinds of people like yourself? Like you said, people like to be around you. You like to be around other like-minded people. Is that more like you're being around people who are at the same vibration as you are? Yeah, it's it's simpatico. It's it's um, you know, you, uh, birds of a feather flock together. You know, mm -hmm. if 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 you are holding a certain vibration and frequency, you're going to magnetize and radiate and discover those kind of individuals. And oftentimes it feels like you know each other, you right. know? Uh, it's like you're, you're, you're kind of coming from a similar source. You've had uh, different insights and revelations. And, you know, we have a body, but we're not a body. We're, 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 we're more vibrational beings than we are anything else. You know, we, we, this is mainly water or a, a, a certain special kind of water that's within us. And then the rest is all frequency and vibration, you know. And this is why if people listen, if their if their if their biome is clean and their head and their gut is clean, they can have a, a gut reaction to something. They can be around somebody and just feels like, oh, I don't want to be around. I don't want to go into business with this person. No, I don't. He's sounding really good, but I think there's some <laughs> canine teeth behind those that, that tongue. You know, they they can say no, I'm not. I'm, or you can meet somebody else, and it doesn't look like the type of person you'd hang out with, but you just feel like very close. This person can be a partner, a friend, a business associate. You know, the vibration is simpatico, you know, and uh, the frequency is high. And, and and if you listen with your being, you're generally right. The first mind is generally right. Yeah. Now, you, from your point of view, how do you define a spiritually awakened person? All these awakenings that are happening, how would you define that from your perspective? Uh -huh. Well, when I first of all, in defining the word spiritual, is not has has nothing to do with a religion. Sp the right. word spiritual, eternal, these are all interchangeable. So we're all spiritual beings. We're all eternal beings that have emerged from the eternal. So a spiritual being, a, an awakened being, is one who has a who has awakened to that. They've come out of sleepwalking. Mm. They've come out of the mass hypnotic spell of believing that they're separated from their source, separated from the divine, separated from love, intelligence, beauty. They're not living on an island thinking they're separated from life. When you start to have an awakening, you start to realize, oh, you're one with this life force. There is no separation. The, the, the wave is waking up to the fact that it's one with the ocean. The sunbeam is waking up to the fact that it's emanating from the sun. It's not a sunbeam can't even exist without the sun. The wave can't exist without the ocean. We can't exist without being emanations of a presence 
that is never an absence. So you, you we wake up to that and it's startling to the ego because the ego lives in separation. You know, it, it, it creates separation for survival. But then when you transcend the ego perspective, you realize, oh my God, I'm one with this flower. I'm one with all human beings. I'm one with Mother Earth. Let me take care of her. Let me be a good steward. I, I'm one with the presence. And that's not blasphemy. It, what's, what's blasphemy is to limit your perception and to limit the presence in your life. But when you open yourself up and say, oh, I'm one with all of, in life, capital L life, you know, I'm one with life. We magnify it. We glorify it. We let it flow through us. And beings that you mentioned near-death experiences, you know, I call them near-life experiences, you know, mm -hmm. that, that when people, in, the, the testimony is always pretty much the same. We're here to perfect our loving. We've never been separated from life. Even though we may have had the experience of separation, it was just the hypnotic experience wasn't real. So when we wake up, we realize, oh my God, I'm one with this tree over here. I'm one with the ground beneath my feet. There's only oneness. There's only unity. Everything else is hypnotism. Everything else is an illusion. And illusions can produce experiences. And experiences can be suffering or painful, but they're temporary. That which is eternal is each and every one of us living as a spiritual being. So we wake up to that. It's a wake-up call. Oh, my God. I, I've been running around in life anxious and afraid about something that doesn't even exist. Death! <laughs> right. Well, that's why that's why near-death experiences, most of them that I've spoken to, if not all, come back completely changed with this exact awakening. When they get the glimpse to go, oh... This is an illusion. We are here to be one with everything. It is yes. become transformed. Yes. You know? So hopefully we don't have to die to get this transformation. Well, that's the thing. <laughs> I mean, the old, the old religion was you had to die and go to heaven. The new, the new spirituality is no, you die to your littleness and you have heaven here now. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. Let me ask you, Michael, when you had that lucid dream and those three men, two of them holding you down, one stabbed you, did you literally have to die and then come re be reborn to this new awakening of who you are now? That was that was my experience. It's not everybody. No, of course, of course. But it was it was very painful. And when I woke up, it, the sh a shift had occurred and, and it occurred so dramatically that most of the friends that I had at that particular time, I lost the friendships because they thought I'd freaked out. Mm -hmm. And because they knew me more as a revolutionary, you know, change the world by any means necessary. I was a part of, um, you know, different groups to help mm -hmm. change the world according to our particular perception. You know, I was selling uh, weed at the time to fund my way through USC. And, <laughs> um, you know, and, and everything stopped. I It was like, Culture. I never got high again. I didn't drink any alcohol again. I wasn't a big alcohol drinker anyway, but ne I never smoked again, you know? Uh, it just fell off. It just, I, I don't, and so I lost my friendships. And there was a period of time where I was, uh, I was uh, alone. I wasn't lonely, but I was alone. I didn't have a lot of friends. I, you know, I, I can remember this, two things. One, I went to all of the people that I'd been running with at that time and letting them know that, 
the spiritual world does exist. It's not a figment of my imagination. Um, who the things I used to do, I don't do anymore. Mm. Um, and and then they fell off. Then I went over to another friend's house. His name was Reggie. His wife was sitting in the living room, standing in the living room. And I walked in and I and I said, "Listen, I've had this experience. Changed my life." There really is another dimension of living. There are many, many dimensions of life. I've been traveling. Uh, there are other beings. And, and Debbie's just nodding at me. And Reggie's coming down the hallway. And Reggie says, I believe you. I've been thinking along those lines. So he became my running partner. And we were already friends since we were childhood. <clears throat> but I thought I was about to lose him too. Because he was very revolutionary. You know, he was working with the Black Panthers. And, mm -hmm. you know... <clears throat> Religion is the opening of the people, you know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and uh, he said, I believe you. And uh, so he became my running partner. And we did, we went to every guru, all the meditation retreats. We took silver mind control. We did, we did yeah. everything together. And eventually he changed his name to Nirvana, you know, and uh, he became a minister. He's passed over now. Mm -hmm. But yeah. And then the other thing that happened was I was sitting, I used to, uh, worked for the mayor of Los Angeles. I worked for Mayor Bradley. Bradley, I was the um, I handled all the senior citizens affairs in the Eighth Council Matic District. But I was by myself. I was a weirdo, you know, and um, had this spiritual awakening. I was weird to everybody. I was teaching metaphysics at lunchtime to people who wanted to know about it. Mm -hmm. And one day, I was sitting at the field office. I was having lunch outside, and I looked up, and I saw this big ball of light with these beautiful colors in it. And I was just staring at this ball of light and wondering, what is that? And then as my eyes focused, it was a person. And I was looking at her aura. Wow. And I went up and talked to her. And she was a member of Self-Realization Fellowship. And she, sure. was a med she was a meditator. And that became one of my first friends because we understood each other. She was, you know, a, a novitiate of, of Paramahansa Yogananda. And I was on my own you know practicing and curating my own experiences we became really good friends so that was like one of my those two people were one of my first couple of friends on the path that i knew instantly from my heart yeah so michael why do you think that these awakenings are happening happening at this moment in history is it general i mean we've spoken about the vibration of earth but is that <clears throat> what is causing this vibe? because i mean like we talked about 40 years ago 30 yeah. years ago, this there's nothing like this. No. There's no conversation. And let, let alone 100 years ago, I mean, you and I would have been, uh, we would have been hung up. Well, the women the women would have been burned at the stake and the men would have been crucified. Very much, very much, sir. That's, that's the archetype. Pretty much, pretty much. So well, why do you think? Well, what's happening now is you have an intensity of necessity. It's like with the, the climate emergency that we're facing, the pollution, uh, the ocean that's being overly polluted and overly fished, uh, the rainforest that's disappearing. There's, there are systemic issues, uh, the prison industrial system, politics is nuts. You have junior high school people in the office uh, just creating more and more polarity, like they're in, they're in junior high school. No, he's to blame. He's to blame. He's to blame. You know, they're, they're, you know, so the, the egoic kind of people run for these offices and you have a few statements, statements in there, but, but you know, you know, three fourths of them have received money from pharmaceutical companies, you know, in Congress, you know, so you have all these junior high school people just trying to feed their gluttony. So you have all this stuff happening on the planet. Not just, this is not just America, you know, Great Britain, 
is 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 no better than we are in terms of the politics, um, and other other countries. Um, so I think that when there's a there's a there's a crisis that's leading to a breakthrough. You know, if you if you look at the uh, often used metaphor of the caterpillar going to the butterfly, you know, the caterpillar eats, runs out of food, starts to spin. It's it, it goes into its cocoon, but it becomes a liquid. The imaginal cells of the butterfly begin to emerge. The imaginal cells are initially killed off by the immune system of the caterpillar. It kills off the new, the new cells that are going to birth the caterpillar because it's foreign. It's different. Then ultimately, the imaginal cells proliferate so fast that it overcomes the caterpillar's immune system and a new creature is born. Out of the chrysalis comes a different creature. It can fly. It's a butterfly. Well, I think we're in the throes of an emergence of something new, but the 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 the, the imaginal cell, I mean, the defense system of the old is is killing off the new, you know, calling them crazy, quacks, whack jobs. There's, there's no science behind the near-death experience, you know, mm-hmm. uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, whether it's n- newness in, in, in health with alternative mm-hmm. means of healing oneself, newness in education, whatever. There still, there's still seem to be on the skinny branches on the fringe, but it's proliferating. Mm-hmm. What is called alternative is proliferating until, as Buckminster Fuller would remind us, it's not about destroying an old system. It's about allowing the new system to emerge and making it so strong that the old just kind of disintegrates because the new is taking over. So I think we're in the we're at the uh, we're in the beginning stages of something new emerging, and uh, it will proliferate. It will magnify until uh, there will be a different kind of way we deal with each other. Love will come back will come back and be popular again. Love is not popular right now. <laughs> you know, I always say, you know, right now, the true revolutionaries on the planet are the lovers. Mm-hmm. Those who love, those who keep their heart open, those that forgive, those that have compassion and kindness, that people think that's soft. Those are the true revolutionaries. The ones that are trying to fight and keep guns and shoot people and rob people and 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 be a macho and, you know. Uh, Ego. The whole, that's, they're not revolutionary. Revolutionaries are the lovers, you know? So I think that this is what's emerging at this time in human history. Now, we've been talking a little, a lot about the individual awakening. What is your perspective on humanity's consciousness as a collective and how we are all either agreeing to this on a different vibrational level to do all of this. Would you agree yeah. with that statement? There's, there's different levels to that. Yes, the, those individuals that have um, said yes and are participating in their own evolution are seeding the consciousness mm-hmm. the same way that Gautama, the Buddha, Zoroaster, Jesus, Kuan Yin, and other individuals hundreds of years ago put into the newest fear the template of an awakened being that's still here, that vibration is still here. Now you have thousands of other people emerging that are seeding the, envi- the, the, the atmosphere, the environment. Now, 
individuals still have to choose that. They're not just going to be pulled into the next frequency because they're here. At some point, we, we, we have a level of sovereignty. We have a level of free will. We have mm -hmm. to say yes to it. You know, we have to be interested in it. Um, I, I teach that, you know, we've all emerged from the eternal, from the eternal, but we're made in the image and likeness of God, which means that's mean we look like God because God is formless. So it's, it's not like, oh, I look like God. It means that we share a faculty and that faculty is that we're able to think independent of an experience. We can think independent of a circumstance or a situation mm -hmm. so that everything that emerged out of nothing, there was not a grain of sand. This infinite intelligence birthed everything out of nothing but an idea. We have the same faculty. We can birth a whole new life out of an idea. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. So continuing with what I'm saying, we're at an old stage of evolution where we are, we, we evolve because of uh, adjustments to the landmass and climate to what is called conscious evolution, where we are participating in our own evolution. We are meditating. We are doing the life visioning process. We're affirmatively praying. We're hanging with high-minded, open-hearted people. So even though individuals are seeding, people still have to choose to be interested in it. You have, you have to choose it. So I would say, yes, there's a collective awakening happening, and more and more people are choosing to be interested in the awakening, which then makes them a candidate for insights and revelations. As your growth and my show's growth has, is a testament to, people are looking for this information. I mean, how long have you had your church? And your, your, your Agape ministry. is in its 37th year. Right. I've been teaching three, four, five years before I started Agape. Mm -hmm. So I've been four decades in. So what was, how has it changed? <laughs> 40 years. <laughs> now the same people thought I was crazy. Now come to Agape. <laughs> <laughs> that guy's nuts. And now they knock on the door. Can I come in? <laughs> and now they're like, you know, can I meet with you? Uh, can you? Can you hold me in prayer? You know, I'm going to take a class. You know, uh, yeah. So it's just it's just like um, the conversation is here now. It's it's as you said earlier. You know, when the secret came, you know that was just a seed planting. You know, there's a lot of things that people can criticize about it, but sure. you can't criticize the fact that it, you know you don't criticize the Model T. You know, you you develop a new car. What? You know what I mean? So you don't criticize the secret. It was it it, it jumped out there. You know, so now. There's, there's more coherence around the ideas. There's more understanding about the action that has to take place, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But today, uh, there are more and more people who are interested, who are listening, who are going to classes, who are going on the websites and studying and going to spiritual communities and reading books. And it's a billion-dollar industry. It wasn't a billion-dollar industry. I mean, <laughs> I used to say years ago that, People would read these spiritual books, but they would cover it with a paper bag so nobody knew what they were reading. And they would rather say they were reading porn than a spiritual book. You know? Right. What do you think, Joe? Oh, I had some pornography. You know? <laughs> good for you. Good for you, Joe. Okay. Yeah. Was it good? <laughs> oh, yeah. The, you know? <laughs> but now people will openly read, you know, uh, transformational books, you know, uh, Life Visioning, Deepak Chopra, Michael Beckwith, you know. Bruce Lipton, you know, they'll read it now and not hide it, you know. Mm -hmm. So, so things have changed and are still changing rapidly. 
What do you think is the biggest challenge we have as a species and on the individual level for this awakening to continue and to occur? Well, people don't quite understand that their hate for other people, whether it be color of the skin, sexual orientation, uh, what side of the aisle you are on in terms of politics, they don't realize that their chain is being pulled. They're, they are actually being hypnotized into that hate. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's a part of how a civilization is controlled. Mm-hmm. You, um, you cr- create that kind of atmosphere. There's a level of self-hate that's there. And then they, they, they train people unconsciously to project that onto other people so that there's divisiveness in our society that keeps people from understanding how powerful they really are. And if individuals understood how powerful they really are, they could change the status quo in an instant. So people actually think that they hate that person or that person. They don't even know understand where that hate came from. Somebody is a puppeteer actually controlling that. And that's a, that's a big um, hindrance to evolution. People have to wake up and... Um, it's interesting. I was, um, you know, I, I'm 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 kind of a Trekkie, you know. Sure. And I remember, I remember re- uh, seeing this old Star Trek with Captain, the original Captain Kirk, and the Klingons, and then we're fighting. You know how they do. Sure. And they go to this planet, and the the Klingons are trying to take over this planet, and Kirk is trying to trying to save this these people, and they they seem totally unconcerned. They're unconcerned, you know. Long story short, these beings had already. Tr- transitioned into living without a body they could manifest a body whenever they wanted to and they could be invisible so they couldn't be hurt at all and then subsequently there was an energy there that thrived off of hate that was creating the energy between the klingons and the enterprise staff to be at odds with each other so as long as that was happening this other entity could survive and go strong and create havoc and once they figured it out, then the Klingons and the and the uh, Enterprise staff started liking each other. So they didn't want to be controlled by this other force. You know that that happens right now. You know mm. there 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 are uh, groups of people that love the fact that people don't get along, mm-hmm. and 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 people actually think they're thinking these thoughts. They're not. Their their mind is being hijacked, and uh, their hate isn't real. You know. So anyway, that's one of that's one of the obstacles, right. and we already talked about some of the systemic issues in our in our world culture that we're all facing uh, simultaneously. And then there's still individuals who are materialist, who yeah. if you can't smell it and see it, taste it, touch it, or hear it, it's not real. And so we call these individuals dimensionally challenged. They're only living in three D. I mean, yeah. you imagine living a whole life in just three dimensions. Woo, how boring, you know. And uh, and then what happens is either through a crisis or a near-death experience or something, they begin to realize that there's something way beyond the sensorium, way beyond what you can see physically or hear audibly that's surrounding us, that's that's here, you know. So those are, those are some of the things that are hindering our wider perception. It's, it's so interesting um, how <laughs> uh, Star Trek and... Uh, for me, it was Star Wars. As you can see, I have a Yoda behind me. Yeah, I like uh, Star Wars too. Yeah. Yeah. But it's so interesting that both of those and stories in general and movies and books 
they're seed planters as well. And oh, yeah. the seeds that were planted by Star Wars and by Star Trek yes. have been growing and growing for, I mean, the concepts that Star Trek talked about in the, was it the 60s, right? When the show yeah. was originally oh, aired. Yeah, they, they was in, it was in the 60s and they dealt with a lot of things oh. before it was popular. Oh, you know, the interracial, the interracial kiss was the big the, one. Interracial was kiss. Huge, it was. Oh it was. God. It was. It was him and the two first interracial kisses were Perry Belafonte yes. in one of his movies, and yeah. in Star in, in in Star Trek. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and people were upset. Well, not everybody. I mean, you know. Sure, 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 sure. There, oh, I remember when um, what's the lady's name? Big actor put her hand on Harry Belafonte. It was her show. Yes. She, oh, 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 Petunia. Um, she sang downtown. Yes, yes, yes. yes. I saw yeah. that. Yeah. I saw that documentary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And they were they were going to cut that out. And she says the show's not even going to be aired if you cut me touching Harry Balafonte. <laughs> you know. And uh, yeah, so they Star Trek and then Star Wars tuned everybody into the fact that there was a force. There was right. There was, there was a field. You know, there's a, there's a rupture in the force. The force is with you. You know mm -hmm. that that planted a whole seed about a presence that's with us you know we can be attuned with it you see yeah right yeah and that's what chi chi chi, chi energy or gi yes. energy and all that it's it's the same concept but it's fascinating how these ideas get dropped into the mass media and how it affects really the world in right. such a lot i mean I, I always use the matrix as one of those movies as well that just absolutely i love the matrix. shifted perceptions of reality and the whole the whole thing of uh, quantum physics now with the uh, simulation theory and things and this materialist that you were talking about quantum physics is throwing that all upside down and they're yeah. fighting it and they're like no 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 that's not like but but here's the proof no nah, but that's not real proof <laughs> they can actually they have they have telescopes i mean a microscope that actually can see an electron you know what i mean and, and between they, and between electrons in between the space and and sh and show the movement of it based on thought and and etc. But some people, if they can't see it, taste it, smell it, touch it, hear it, it's not real to them. And they're living life as an invalid. You know, they're living life um, on crutches basically because the sense, the sensorium, are prosthetics of the of the spiritual sense, and they're living with the prosthetic rather than the real sense. Well, it's the Galileo effect. It's the Galileo. Don't look. Don't look through. I can't look through the microscope. I can't right. look through the telescope and see that the sun is the center of our, our right. galaxy. <laughs> right. Uh, now, what would you suggest for someone who wants to consciously participate in this shift? We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. There's a number of ways to enter into it. One of the quickest ways is to begin to become aware of what question are you living in? And that is, you know, we have questions that we ask all the times, consciously and unconsciously, and some are empowering and some are disempowering. Mm -hmm. So the average unconscious person asks questions like, what's wrong? Who's to blame? Why me? Which puts a filter over their perception so they can't see reality. If you ask a question like, what good is here that I presently cannot see? Or what gift is trying to emerge through me? If you start to ask empowering questions, the universal presence via universal law will answer those questions. And you can begin to walk in your empowerment by asking 
What gift is here that I'm, that I'm supposed to give? What power is within me that's supposed to be unleashed? The universe will start to speak to you in the language and in a way that you can understand, and you'll start to walk in the direction of your empowerment, of your awakening. Now, of course, meditation is extremely important. Asking empowering questions is extremely important. Any introspective exercises that help you curate your questions or to notice what lies you're telling yourself. What do I mean by that? Most people, they live with a series of lies. Something happened to them. Mm -hmm. they have, they've experienced some kind of trauma in their life. And a lie happened. I'm not supported. No one likes me. I'm unworthy. Um, I never will be good enough. These are all lies. Now, a lie acts as a law until it's neutralized. The truth is that each of us are spiritually, heavy spiritually merged from the eternal. All of us are unfolding perfection. We're all worthy. We're, we're all up to receiving more good than we can imagine. Anything else is a lie. So if you begin to watch your mind and the ego, you can begin to see the lies you're telling yourself that you've inherited from some experience that you were too little to deal with at the time. And you start to untangle those lies until you begin to tell yourself the truth. And then you begin to see differently. Your perception will change. And you begin to realize that you were looking at life through those lies, the lens of the lies, rather than the, the lens of the truth. So those are, those are subtle ways that one can begin to, to open themselves up to the field of infinite potential. Yeah. And it is uh, like Bruce, our, our friend Bruce Lipton, who talked about those first seven years of programming. That we, yeah. That's a lot of those lies come in those seven years because your parents are going to give you the same programming that they got. And right. they believed because you're pretty much almost an empty vessel. It's, it's you know, you, I always say, cause I have kids, they, there's some programming at the factory. There is some, yeah. some programming in the factory that come in and you have certain traits and personalities, yeah, 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 yeah. but the belief systems and the beliefs of the world are programmed in those first seven years and continue to be programmed afterwards. But the real intense part is those first seven years, right? Yeah, it, it, you're the, the, the kids in alpha state, you know, and, and just picking up on everything. Uh, the, the, yeah. Whatever the parents are listening to on the news, the parents' beliefs, what they've inherited from their parents, an embryo, what was the conversations that were being had, how they were imprinting when they first came out. All that is imprinting our, our mind, imprinting our consciousness. Mm -hmm. But we're at the stage of uh, when we begin to wake up, we begin to decide what goes in our awareness. You know, we don't just allow the world to impress our mind, nor are we trying to have a relationship with the world. We're trying to have a relationship with our real self, which is eternal. Yeah. And then we begin to undo the imprints. And that's called being reborn. You know, you, mm -hmm. you had your first birth coming through the womb. Then you have your second birth when you have an awakening. Oh, I don't even believe that nonsense. <laughs> Where did I where did I get I was bad and unworthy and not good enough? Where did that come from? It was a sea of mental garbage. You know? Well, let me ask you this then. How do you reconcile traditional religious beliefs with this new consciousness shift? Because I've from my own experience and from just being on this show so much, that when you rock someone's foundational beliefs, if you if they believe in reincarnation and it counters what they've been taught all their lives 
in a in in a traditional or let's say Christian or Jewish tradition or something like that, they can't believe one idea that's separate from that because it starts to starts to crack the foundation, and that's when all this fighting and all this I have to kill you and you are wrong and I am we are the chosen people not you and all this ridiculousness. So how do people reconcile if they are interested in this awakening of consciousness but have this baggage of traditional religious beliefs? How do you reconcile the two? Well, you know, a person is in uh, uh, pain or, or a crisis, <clears throat> eventually they start asking different questions. And they eventually come to an awareness that, you know, the teachers, whether you're talking about Gautama the Buddha, whether you're talking about mm-hmm. Yeshua ben Joseph, Jesus the Christ, or any of them, you know, what they spoke of is quite different from the religion that formed around them. You know, yeah. so <laughs> many many people are are coming to an awareness that they have been practicing the religion about Jesus rather than the religion of Jesus, you know. Oh, that's great. And, and then, uh, and once they do a little bit of study, they can say, oh, I believe what Jesus believed. Now, all this stuff built around him, you know, uh, all this stuff about hell and 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 salvation and uh, eternal damnation and the all rapture. that stuff. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that was man-made. Men made that stuff up. That, that, they didn't have anything with the teachings, you know. And there's fundamentalism in every religion. You'll find the fundamentalisms in Islam and Buddhism and Christianity, you know. And so eventually an individual has to do a deep dive and go and go back to the original teacher, whatever your culture is. Mm-hmm. You go back to the original teacher and just study his or her words, not the religion. Just his or her words, you know, study the Bhagavad Gita, but meditate first because it's metaphorical, you know, study the Dhammapada, study the Bible, but only the New Testament, only the words of Jesus, you know, which has also been curated to a degree. You'll come to a different insight than if you study just the religiosity around it. And so many people, I mean, the, 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 the churches are, are, are emptying out in droves. These young people don't want to go there anymore. They're not having a transcendental mystical experience. They're, 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 they're being beat over the head about things and told. I mean, I went to a, a, a church recently. There was a, a young boy that was killed, that died. Mm. His mother, metaphysical. His father, his father was a minister, Baptist. So that's where the memorial service was. And I had an opportunity to speak there. But I forgot. I mean, he went up, he went up and he started talking about, first of all, women couldn't come to the pulpit. Women couldn't wear pants. Women couldn't have, they couldn't wear hats. And he started saying, well, I researched the scriptures and we don't think he's going to go to hell. By the, by the way he died, he's not going to go to hell. So we're happy about that. And then he, he just talked. It, I, it, if he, it was almost like it was a performance art piece of the past, except that it was present. It was really right. happy. Right. And it was like, wow, people used to go to these kind of churches. And I imagine some people still do. And I wasn't into heavy judgment about it. It was just more of, wow. Hmm. This Look is still that. going on. Hmm. Just blessed him, blessed everybody, and said, God, you know, got out of there. <laughs> <laughs> the energy wasn't right. I get you. No, it, 
So how did you navigate that, by the way? I'm just curious. How did you navigate your, you spoke in front of them. So did you just generalize it? I'll tell you a story uh, that that serves me well. And that is uh, Dr. Howard Thurman, who was a great mystical theologian. Mm -hmm. He was mystical and he transcended Christianity, met with Gandhi, brought the nonviolent teachings back to Dr. King. He was King's mentor. Um, and I met him. I went, I stayed in Thurman Hall when I went to Morehouse College. I met Dr. Thurman. Mm-hmm. He said, I heard him say one day. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. You know, you're going to be put into places where people may not understand you, or they may even hate what you're saying. And he said, he said something along the lines of, you know, just talk about your best friend, which is the presence. Just talk about your best friend. It could be the teachings of Jesus. So uh, my grandmother had made her transition. This is a number of years ago, and I was invited to um, give the eulogy. And it was in the church that my great-grandfather founded, my two great-grandfathers founded this church, St. Luke's Baptist Church in Washington, D.C. So my grandfather, great-grandfather, Arthur Chittister, and my great-grandfather, Frederick um, uh, Greenwich, they were the founders of this church. So I'm speaking in this church. The the minister of the church at the time was upset that he wasn't doing the eulogy and that I had come from this weird religion. So... I'm in the, so I, I did a red eye to be there on time to do the service. So I'm in the back room meditating. This is my grandmother. I was very close to her. I'm meditating. And they come in. I mean, it's like six or seven of these ministers. He says, what, uh, what is your, what is your, what is your philosophy? What is your theology, sir? And I'm, you know, I'm meditating. shocked. I'm meditating. This is my grandmother. I have some sadness moving through me. I'm, you know, what is your theology? And why are you speaking? And I say, well, you know, this is the church my great-grandfather founded, and my grandmother was a member here, and they want me to do the service, and uh, my theology is the teachings of Jesus. And they looked at me really weirdly, you know, like, we know that's not true, you know? So anyway, I go out to speak, and they're sitting behind me, and they're just stoic. (laughs) You know, I'm this young guy. They're a little older. And I, and I said, and I remembered Thurman's words. And I said, I'm going to talk about my best friend. And today my best friend is Jesus. And I began to teach about the teachings of Jesus. I began to teach that the kingdom of heaven was at hand. Mm-hmm. The kingdom of God was within all the teachings. If you, it is done unto you as you believe. Mm-hmm. Yes, the, ground upon, the ground upon which you were standing is holy because you're standing there. I weaved it all into a eulogy about my grandmother and who she was and that these spiritual qualities that she emanated are still alive because they're God-given. They're not human. You perfect them, but they come from God. So she's still alive. Okay. Anyway, I started teaching all of this and little by little, they started to, un- they started to, amen, brother. <laughs> oh, oh my God. Amen. <laughs> oh, go. You know, they went from being the Sanhedrin and the Pharisees to... Yeah. An amen corner, <laughs> you know. So I pulled upon that vibration when I spoke at this Baptist church. I just spoke about eternal life, the teachings of Jesus, encapsulated into this boy's life, and and sat down. I wasn't going to not be me, mm-hmm. you know. But I I knew where I was, so I knew I I would curate more of the teachings of Jesus. I didn't teach not just about Jesus, but of 
mm-hmm. and rolled into a, a a brief eulogy, and uh, it was all good. <laughs> yeah, it's a great story, Michael. Now, Mike, I'm going to ask you a few questions to ask all of my guests. Uh, what is your definition of living a fulfilled life? Living living a fulfilled life is being on the edge of your unfolding. It's a you, you're fulfilled if you're growing. You're fulfilled if you're becoming more yourself, and in, and in growing and becoming more yourself, you become a generative being, meaning you are here to contribute, to serve, to give. That's a radiance of compassion, kindness, generosity, and whatever your gifted area is. Everybody can't do everything, but everybody is here to share and to give something. So you're not fulfilled if you've just taken, if you've just lived a life of acquiring stuff. You lived a full life, you're living a full life if you're circulating, if you're sharing and shining and radiating and giving and being on the edge of greater discovery of who you are. So the idea is, you know, is to live on the edge. You know, if you're not living on the edge, you're taking up too much space. Yeah. Beautiful, my friend. Now, if you could get in the time machine and go back in time and talk to little Michael, what advice would you give him? (laughs) You know, you're you're asking me a question about something that happened for me for real. Okay. First of all, where is the time machine? And can I get a ride? (laughs) (laughs) I was, I was 20. This, I wasn't a little kid. I was 26, Uh 26, 27. I had my spiritual awakening. I was, I was three years into it, and I had been invited to speak at the Senior Citizen Center in the Valley. I didn't have any degrees at this time. It's just, it's just Michael. People just liked me. They wanted to be around me. They wanted me to come mm-hmm. speak. So I'm driving to the Valley, and I'm wondering, what is my life going to look like? What, 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 are, what am I going to do with my life? I've had this awakening. People like being around me. People are calling me for counseling. They're sending me donations. But nothing had formulated. It was just... You know, and I had a job. So I always remember this. It had been raining. And then the rain stopped and the sun parted the clouds. It was a very beautiful day. And I had a vision. This vision, Michael, my future Michael, came to me and said, Michael, keep, don't worry about your future. Keep doing what you're doing. I'm here. I made it. I'm good. Just keep doing what you're doing. You'll be guided. And I came out of that somewhat of a trance. I went to do the talk. Talk went fine. People loved what I had to say. And so now fast forward. That was that was in the 70s. Late 70s when that happened. And so fast forward. We're in the late 80s, maybe in early 90s. I'm speaking at a Wednesday evening service at Agape International. And, and, and the, there was a moment of transcendence. This energy was just flowing through me powerfully. I'm driving home and I feel very moved. I'm very uh, conscious that, that I'm quote unquote in an altered state. It's the, it's the real state of coherence. I'm, but I'm mm-hmm. driving, pulling into my driveway. And I said, go into, I'm, I'm getting ready to do the clicker and go into my driveway, my garage. And I have a vision. In this vision, I see Michael. He's 26, 27 years old. He's driving to the valley. He's asking the question, what am I going to do with my life? And I say to Michael, Michael, keep doing what you're doing. I'm here. I made it. We're good, man. 
Keep doing what you're doing. Don't worry about the future. You're taking the right steps. Keep listening. I'm talking to him. And so I've had the experience of being the young Michael asking and then being Michael in the future telling him. And I I broke into tears. I just started crying. I'm in my driveway just crying. I, I sat in my car for a long period of time. I was just crying about the meaning of it all. And then right above my right side up in here, there was a, 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 a me saying there's more to come through you like that, you know. So I told Michael, it's going to be okay. Keep doing what you're doing. I think if I could talk to young Michael, I'd go to that 11-year-old when he was having that awareness. And I'd say, hey, man, you're waking up. Don't shrink for the world, <laughs> even right. though don't shrink for the world. Because I got what happened was I got closer and closer to my mother, my my grandmother, and my uncle, and I didn't know what to do because what they were looking at was not who I was. I wasn't just a son, a nephew, or a grandson. I was I was something else. But I didn't have the words for it. I didn't know what it was, and I shrunk, and I acted like you know Michael. I acted like little Michael. I would tell Michael, "Don't do that. Don't shrink," because he shrunk a few times in life mm. until until that. Uh, opening in 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 a college, I shrunk a few times. Don't shrink. You're okay. Stay open. It's good. I would tell him to stay open. How do you define God? Love, intelligence, beauty. That's everywhere. A presence that is not an absence. Does not come or go. You don't have to pray for God to come, because the presence is omnipresent. This presence is everywhere it's actually capital l life that's conscious of itself and finally what is the ultimate purpose of life the ultimate purpose of us what the universal presence is up to is producing an individual that can perfectly reflect the entire cosmos as an individual this is why we love buddha Jesus and Zoroaster, because in their culture and in their time, they perfectly reflected the entire cosmos according to their particular culture and what they had curated in language at that particular time. So our purpose is to actually reveal the presence according to our uniqueness. There's no two people the same. So we get to perfectly reflect. And what is that? It's love. It's beauty. It's intelligence. It's order. It's harmony. It's abundance. It's all of that. That's what the universe is up to, producing an individual that can perfectly reveal that. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. And where can people find out more about you and the amazing work you're doing in the world, my friend? There's a couple of ways. You can um, go to the website, agapelive.com. That's the portal right into the spiritual community. I speak every Sunday there, three services, meditation service and two worship celebration fellowship services. You can go to my podcast. It's called Take Back Your Mind. And uh, it's, it's uh, I have guests on there and we have great conversations. Sometimes I do solo and just answer questions. Um, you can uh, go to my Instagram page. I do something there every day. I put some kind of up, up, what I think to be uplifting educational inspirational message i do i still do a few instagram lives every wednesday 
morning. Um, my Facebook page is up. So those those are the ways. You can go to michaelbeckwith.com as well. Mm -hmm. Go straight to it. It's being revamped right now, mm -hmm. but it's still up and it's being curated to go to another level of greater service. And do you have any parting messages for the audience? I would say to everyone listening, I would say that you are a unique emanation of life itself. There's nothing missing in you. You're not looking for your missing piece. The answers are within you. Do a deep dive within yourself. Find some level of spiritual practice that you're resonating with right now, and you'll discover there aren't any closed doors in this multidimensional universe. You'll be walking through your own perception of a door into the bounty of your own being. Be free. Be free. My friend. My friend, thank you so much for coming on the show. It has been a pleasure and honor speaking to you today. And please continue your amazing work on the planet and helping us all awaken, my friend. Thank you again. It is my joy. Thanks for the invitation. I want to thank Michael so much for coming on the show and sharing his knowledge with all of us. If you want to get links to anything we spoke about in this episode, head over to the show notes at nextlevelsoul.com forward slash 305. And if you've only been listening to this over podcast and you want to watch these amazing conversations, please subscribe to our YouTube channel at nextlevelsoul.com forward slash YouTube. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, trust the journey. It is here to teach you. I'll talk to you soon.